0: This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, at John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And what I want to do is just really, this will be an incomplete prophetic review of the last month. Um. One of the reasons it's incomplete is it was very good of everyone that recorded the stuff from the prayer meetings for us, although most of you did what I did, which was the first time a contribution came, you hit record, and then you forgot to switch it off and on. And so I think we've got about 16 hours of recordings. Um, Much of it is just people going, hmm, (laughs) amen, which is is beautiful, (laughs) but then does take a little bit of working through. Um, But... (laughs) And, and then just because of my own technical incompetence, some of the files appear to be in forms that I don't find a way of opening them and listening to them. But I've listened to probably about three quarters of it, so um, if you still have recordings that you've not sent in to John or uploaded to where he asked you to, please do that, because we would like to uh, distill this down and, and really make sure we don't miss anything of what God has been saying. But at the same time, I think it's not just what God has been saying, it's what we've been catching And one of the things that's really blessed me is is how, that actually, what God has been saying, Jesus uses a phrase several times, particularly in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And there can be lots of words, there can be lots of prophecies, they can be very wordy, they can be very short, but really what God is doing through that, he wants to get the word into you and he wants it to be lived out of you and it's good to listen to all of it but it's much better to listen to all of it and let some of it really go down and produce some fruit in you if we try to do everything if each one of us try to do everything we would run ourselves into the ground pretty quickly and one of the things is the discerning of what lands with different people um particularly when it comes around to direction, that we'll find that God will speak about something and, and, and a certain group of people will respond to that and run with that. And he'll speak about something else and a different group will hear that and respond to that and run with that. And, and that's, I believe, what we're even beginning to see now. And as I was looking through the things that God had said, I thought, where's there a scripture that kind of maybe encapsulates some of, some of this that we can... Uh, kind of see, because when God, again, when the prophetic word comes, the prophetic word will always be in accord with the scripture. That doesn't just mean it won't say something that contradicts the scripture. Of course, that's true as well. But it will actually be, an, a, a, it will be something that God has already revealed in his word. Just in, particularly activated for us. And often with kind of like applied geography and timing. Because the geography and the timing is not going to be in the, in the word. Like Kerry was talking to us about Paul you know, trying to work out where should he go, where should he go, and he has a dream of a man of Macedonia. Well, he could have read as long as he liked in the Old Testament scriptures, and it, although he would, have, he would have found some references to to the Greeks, he wouldn't have found any references to the Macedonians. Um, so you're not going to find Macedonia there, but you are going to find the fact, the idea that God leads you, that God speaks to you, that God... So, you know, so there'll be some particular kind of specifics that come into it, but all of it essentially will be An unpacking of what God has already revealed through his word. John 7, 37 and 38 is what I want us to read. um, Because I think this this holds quite a lot of of what the Spirit has been saying to us. uh, We can unpack from this. It says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The feast that this refers to was the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was part of the final season of festivals in Israel. It marked the time of the great, at the end of the harvest. Jesus fulfilled all of the feasts. We know he fulfilled the Passover through his death, he fulfilled the first fruits through his resurrection, he fulfilled Pentecost through the outpouring of the Spirit. And then there's a sense that the whole of the era from then onwards is working towards the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is when the people would remember that God came and dwelt among them. And so many times that's the the burden that the prophets have when they want to talk about this wonderful era before Christ's return when God is present and dwelling among his people. That's what the, the New Testament writers talk about when they talk about the church. Paul says... Ephesians 2, it's a dwelling, where, a place where God dwells by his spirit. 1 Peter 2 says we're being built into a, into a house, a temple of the living God. And so it's pointing forward to our time. And Jesus is, is literally on the, on the last day of the great feast. He's there, right at the end. This is how it's going to end. How's it going to end? It's going to end when people come and drink the living water that I have for them and, and then find that it flows out of them. God spoke to us first of all through Kerry and then a number of things that have come through January about a new paradigm, a new way of thinking and a new way of operating. That's like we said, one of the reasons we want to refresh the life groups. We want to say that the things that we do, the regular things that we do in our life together as a church, we want it to be fit for the next season. And so there were prophetic words that have come and talked about a changing of season. God's changing us and and God works like this. Okay, he takes us through different seasons. He, uh, he, a season with God is a time where he has a specific purpose. And then once you've fulfilled that purpose, he's going to say, right, it's time for another season. And that's why seasons always have an ending before the new season has a beginning. That means some things get left behind. And other things have to be embraced as new. And that's always uncomfortable, but it's how God works. He embeds it in creation, where it says there was evening, there was morning. (laughs) It's a new day, a new day. God has also, I believe, around a new paradigm. He's talked to us a lot about changing our expectation. I shared a few Sundays ago about what it means if we want to see everyone win one for Christ this year. Some of the facts and figures and the statistics that are friends in India work on which is basically that if you share the gospel with 10 people one of them will make a decision to follow Jesus and for every three decisions you get one person ultimately will be a disciple of Jesus Christ which means if you want to win someone and disciple them that's at least 30 people you need to be sharing the gospel with that requires a new way of thinking but God has been encouraging us prophetically to change our expectation, reminding us that the harvest is plentiful. Jesus says that. Matthew nine 32. Let's just have a quick look there. And Jesus deals here with something that is a perennial trap that we can fall into, I think. Matthew 9, uh, 30, I've got the wrong reference there, haven't I? Well, does anyone know what reference I should have written down there for the harvest is plentiful? Jesus says, yeah, he says you, uh, sorry, Matthew, still in Matthew, oh actually, no, I can't read my writing, it's 37, yeah, thank you. I've confused the seven with the two. Okay, so Matthew 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest field. And um, somewhere else he says to them, you know, you look and you say three months and then the harvest, but I tell you the harvest is now. The harvest is plentiful. Look at the world differently. We We can always say, well, when this has happened and when that has happened then it'll be, it'll be the right time. But God is saying, no, now is the right time. Now is the time that the harvest is plentiful. Do you really believe? Do we really consider? Do we really think that when we go out of our homes in the morning, wherever we're going into, whatever situation we're going to, it's a, it's a ripe harvest field. One of the ways that will help us believe that, will help us come to that realization, is to confess it, is to, is, is to say it. You know, we talked, about, we talked about praying before you leave the house every day and saying, Holy Spirit, what are we doing today? Um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit means that you have been joined to the eternal purpose of God. So many people are concerned about, what's my purpose in life? I've got to find my purpose in life. The greatest purpose in life you have is to join yourself to the purpose of God. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit tells you that every day, Every day, you have an opportunity to make an eternal impact on this world. You can do something every day that will have echoes into eternity, that will pass through the ending of this world and into the new heavens and the new earth. When everything that we see around us has been transformed and is, 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 is this world has ended and the next one has come, something you do today can make it through that transition. That's God's intention for us. And that's what the Holy Spirit has been given to us in order to achieve. The message we have, I shared on this a few Sundays ago, Isaiah 40 verse 9. The message we have is good news. And again, we find ourselves doing this all the time, don't we? We we tell ourselves why it's difficult to share the gospel. We tell ourselves why people won't want to hear the gospel. We tell ourselves why, because of the political correctness and this, that and the other and probably Brexit as well, it's just so difficult to share the gospel. People won't be open to the gospel. But what does the word of God say? Isaiah 40 verse 9, get up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, do not be afraid and say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. We are heralds of good news. We're here to say, behold your God. Not kind of like, you know, behold your God, here I am. No. Um, But actually, I want to show you Jesus. I want to show you a loving Father. And I want to do it boldly. I want to do it from a high mountain. I don't want to do it timidly. I I want to speak it clearly and with confidence because I know it's good news. I know it's good news. Ben shared, didn't he, a testimony a couple of weeks ago, getting to share the gospel with a family member, didn't know how it would go, hadn't really had much contact with them for a long time, and their response is, thank you so much, that was such a wonderful thing to say. Why? Because it's good news. Amen. It's good news. Let me ask you, one of the things we found, we've heard lots of stories of this, how many, just quick show of hands, how many of you had opportunity through the month of January to share the gospel with someone? fantastic okay <laughs> what was this one bloody uh, 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 sure <laughs> okay you're like I didn't I didn't get the whole Peter package in and you know okay well you know sometimes sometimes what you begin is what opens a door isn't it and then we just pray Lord and we want to take more through this door okay so that was maybe I don't know about a quarter of us I don't know maybe and I know there's some people not in the room who would have stuck their hands up at that point now I don't know because we didn't do the research, but I suspect that that was a, a bit of an increase on December. Yeah? And what we're finding, and just some great testimonies of people, say, well, we prayed this. It's like I was talking with Chris in the week. He said, we, we prayed on Monday night, and was it the next day or two days later? <laughs> I suddenly had this opportunity to talk to a friend at work about Jesus. Never had the opportunity before. Isn't that weird? Isn't that so strange? What a coincidence that when we pray, then suddenly something happens. Um, no, maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's not a coincidence. Maybe that's just how prayer works. It's how, but also us kind of stepping in and taking that opportunity. It's this changing our expectation. Paul brought a prophetic word a couple of Sundays ago about our expectation around God doing the miraculous and maybe situations that we'd kind of written off Or people that we'd written off, this situation will never change, this healing will never come, this person will never respond to the gospel. And God's saying, lift your expectation. Lift your expectation. Go back to him. What did Chris bring this morning? Keep on. Keep on knocking. You know what? We don't know why we keep on knocking, other than God tells us to. Because the parable it's it's drawn from is, is one of those weird parables that if you try and read too much into it you end up with a very strange view of God because the, the he t- Jesus tells these two parables doesn't he of the of the neighbor who has a, a guest arrive in the middle of the night and he goes to his neighbor and he knocks on his door uh, to borrow some bread and the neighbor doesn't want to open because it's nighttime and he's already in bed and he opens in the end because he keeps on knocking and so that kind of casts God in the role of a grumpy neighbor who doesn't really want to do but he will if you annoy him enough and then the other parable that he tells right next to it is even worse because it's about an unjust judge who eventually gives a widow justice because she wears him out and he even says I don't fear God and I don't care for justice but because she's worn me out I'm going to give her what she wants so a little lesson about parables. Don't read too much into them. Just take the point that Jesus is making. And his point is keep on going. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Not because that's what God is like, but because that's the attitude he wants us to have. He wants us to persist. And he wants us to stir again. Maybe there have been people that you've prayed for, situations you've prayed for, and that's, that's kind of, the, the, you know, the, the zeal for that has worn off. And maybe it's, it's dissipated. But he's saying, no, stir yourself Change your expectation. That's what a new paradigm is. That all the things we've been singing and declaring this morning, yeah? Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Do you know what links that phrase? It's all the way through. Um, when it, it first comes in the New Testament in Luke, either one or two, when the angel appears to Mary and she says, well, how's this going to happen? And the, and, the, and the angel says, the Holy Spirit. And Mary says, nothing will be impossible. And, and it, this linking of the Holy Spirit and nothing being impossible And, of course, it requires a change of behavior to live purposefully. Like Kerry said to us, nobody would have heard the good news if the 120 disciples had stayed in the upper room. But it's getting out of the house. And as I get out of the house, why am I getting out of the house? What am I doing? Where am I going? Thinking about some of the things that God said to uh, to us about being purposeful in our going. That came through the prophetic words. He talked to us about going in twos. And it's really interesting, because I was probably, I think, about 60% of the prayer meetings. so it's really interesting looking at what was recorded, the ones I wasn't at, and seeing things that are coming up in separate settings, and thinking, yeah, this is God establishing his word in the mouth of two or three witnesses. But this idea of... of of going in twos. Maybe, maybe we actually need to just get and go out and walk on the street in twos. Maybe that's what some of us need to do. But those times when we are out, and we are out two by two and, and, and in small groups, to believe that... Actually, I'm, I'm not just here to have a well, uh, breakfast with Matt Burden, who now he starts work even earlier. We haven't done, I don't think, <laughs> because it was barely the next day by the time you had to meet Matt for breakfast. But... Um, <laughs> But, but I'm not just here to have breakfast with someone. We're here as, as those that Christ has sent. Two by two. What's he going to do? What are you doing, Holy Spirit? What have you lined up? What are the good works that you've arranged for me to walk into? What's the, like I talked about, Larry Tomzak in his book, Divine Appointments. If you get that book, get, get a hold of that book. It's probably one of those things you can get on Amazon for like 99p secondhand. But this idea, God sets us up with these divine appointments. That when you walk with the Holy Spirit, there are no coincidences. Yeah? So that was one of the things. And I think a lot of what God has been doing has been about changing us and shaping us, changing the way we're thinking, changing our expectations, reframing where we sit in this world. What am I here for? What is, God, what, is, what is God calling me to do? How, how am I living my life? Am I, am, I, am I expecting that I'm going out into a harvest field? Am I expecting that I'm going out into a place, into a world that needs and is ready to meet with Jesus? The second kind of burden I found as I listened back through these things was the Holy Spirit wanted to draw us into a greater place of intimacy with him. Yes. And in fact, that being the main means by which he's going to achieve what he wants to do. An intimacy with the Holy Spirit that leads to swift obedience, the B of the bang, was that the word, Paul? Swift obedience and being quick to speak. In fact, probably the the most common thing that I, I found as I looked through all the words was this idea of us speaking. The Holy Spirit wants us to speak. That's one of the reasons it's good to speak when we're in here as if we're getting, and thank you for the nod, but uh, <laughs> yeah, let me let me try it again. It's one of the reasons yeah. the Holy Spirit wants to speak here. <laughs> right? There we go. See, yeah. just that that use that when when I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I trust I'm working with the Holy Spirit in what I'm doing right now. And and when you hear something, you think that's right. The first your first response is to go yes, yeah. amen. Yeah. And. Let's go back to Mary, the mother of Jesus. She gives us, She has such amazing insight, this woman. Remember, she actually precipitates Jesus' first miracle at the wedding at Cana. Some suggest, esteemed preacher to my left has often suggested, that actually it was the disciples' presence that precipitated the need for the miracle. <laughs> Which, if, in case you haven't caught up yet, was the fact that they'd run out of wine. Um... <laughs> But when Mary speaks to the the stewards, the waiters, she says to them, whatever he says to you, do it. It's really simple, isn't it? Really, really simple. Whatever he says to you, do it. The Holy Spirit spoke in one of the meetings about being with him in the secret place. And there was almost four places. It was like being with him in the secret place. That's where Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, that's where we come aside and it's just us and the Father. And he brought a word through Paul as well in that meeting where the word was this, that God says, you'll never come to the secret place and find it empty. <laughs> you'll never come. To, you'll never, God's promise was, you'll never turn aside to spend time with me and find that I'm not there. <laughs> but I'll be there and I'll have something for you. And then the house, and that's where we are now. But then there's the street, and there's the harvest field. And the Holy Spirit said, look, I want you to learn and to become more intimate with me in your secret place, and in the place where you gather together in the house, so that when you're out in the street and when you're in the harvest field, you're familiar with my voice. You're ready to move. And I would suggest, and I think we're we're getting better at this, but I would suggest that if the Holy Spirit prompts you to share something in a life group meeting and you bite your tongue and don't do it, there's very little chance you're going to take the opportunity that comes your way when you're out in the workplace. Just human nature, eh? But when we push through and push out of our comfort zones... In the safer environment, we we learn and we come to have a confidence. You know what? When I heard that voice, that still, small voice, when I heard that prompting and I acted on it, you know what? It turned out it was God. (laughs) What does that do to our confidence? So, yeah, speak to me some more, Holy Spirit. I want to learn your voice. I want to learn your way. And then just a few things to, to round off that, that slightly surprised me, first of all. I think there were three references that came through the different times about pride and God telling us not to be proud. Which is really interesting because I'm not... You see, Chris is pulling a face at me. I don't... You know, It's not the kind of thing we go around and go, we've got a terrible problem with pride in this church. But here was the context of those. It's interesting. God's warning us about being proud because of what he wants to do. That was the context of these words. Now that tells me that God wants to do things that if we have a wrong attitude, we could become proudful, prideful of. We could you know, maybe maybe some of you can end up in really prominent positions. Maybe some of the things that God's calling us to do will attract a lot of attention. In fact, God has made it quite clear that He wants to do that that he want, he's told us to be, be pro, don't worry about being prominent don't don't worry about that and maybe maybe it's actually addressing a, another uh, weakness that we have of, of not wanting to push ourselves when the holy spirit is pushing ourselves but he said I want I want I want to somehow bring you to a place of prominence so I'm warning you now ahead of time don't be proud and so I, 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 I take that as a promise, both a, a direction and a, and a challenge to us, but a promise of God saying, you know, there's going to be reason that you could be prideful of some of the things I'm going to do. So just check your hearts and make sure that doesn't happen. But at the same time, when he's talking about, you know, a, a light on a hill and, and, and don't hide and uh, to know that actually he wants to do some things that are going to, uh, that are going to make us visible, and maybe some of us individually. Another thing that came through a couple of times was God talking about that our children will be a means of, of bringing people to Christ. And uh, that's, that's one, of the, one of the things that we want to look at and address with some of the things we're going to talk about life groups tomorrow night as well, and how we can uh, create wineskins. Yeah, so that's the kind of biblical term for a paradigm. Create ways of doing things that will contain and facilitate what God wants to do. Okay. And then there were words that came, and I'm going to finish with this, about changing the landscape of the city through the flow of living water. There was some uh, vision, prophetic visions around dry riverbeds and um, Uh, and how that actually the channels are ready it's just that the water that needs to come and there was the as we were praying for the city the observation that naturally speaking coventry is not a city of big rivers (laughs) it's the city of a few little streams many of which have been buried (laughs) but that god wants to reshape and define uh, the parts of our city by the flow of his living water And um, it was interesting this week, I'm probably not at liberty to share too much of the conversation, but in meeting with another church leader and just talking about what's God showing you for the city. um, A very similar heart to reach different parts of the city, parts that aren't reached at the moment. Places where where there isn't really much of a witness of the gospel. And more than just the desire, but a sense of actually, we need a strategy. (laughs) Uh, we need a strategy of, when we prayed and we put the 18 different districts of the city, I felt God really put on my heart, I want to have a, a I want, he wants to have a vibrant testimony to the kingdom of God in every one of those districts. And I said, well, Lord, is that, is that for us to do? That seems like a big task. And, uh, and, and, I, and I felt he said, no, but you're part of it. Yeah. And then to meet someone else that said, this is what God is speaking to us about and thinking, is there a... Is there a way that, that God's people, as, as I'm sure there should be, <laughs> coordinate because they're hearing the same things that the Spirit is saying to the churches and saying, we can support you in that. You can support it. We can go and support this person here, this, this group here. So God wanting to redefine the boundaries, redefine the character of our cities through a flow of his living water. So I want to encourage you to keep going. <laughs> keep listening. There's an, awful lot, there's an awful lot that God has even said this morning, but really he's been after getting something in our hearts, hasn't he? And getting a hold of our hearts. Confessing the truth, speaking out. I want to encourage you to keep going. I want to encourage every one of you that has missed an opportunity to share the gospel to say that's a very good thing. Because you, you missed it, but you spotted it. <laughs> yeah? How many times have they come along and we've not even spotted them? But now to say, Holy Spirit, open another opportunity. Give me another door. To go back and, and reflect on what has he said to you. And also, what's he stirring in your heart? we have got a group of people, just a small group at the moment, get together and say somehow we've got to do this thing where we get some worship out on the streets. We don't really know how we're going to do it, but we're going to give it a go. Fantastic. But what else is God sowing in different hearts? What else is he putting in different people? And like I said before, we're not looking for a list of your good ideas for me and Paul to put into action. That's not the body of Christ. We're looking for people to say, this is, this is what I'm being moved by. These are the people that I'm being joined with to do that. Let's get on with, with what God is giving us to do. Divine strategies. Let's pray. Lord, we love your word. We love your voice. We love to hear all that you're saying. But Lord, our heart's desire is we don't want to be mere hearers of the word. Lord, please find us to be doers. Holy Spirit, thank you that your anointing comes to us to equip us to be the doers of the word and the work of Jesus Christ. And Lord, even now in these few moments, as we just give our attention to you afresh, Lord, impress upon our hearts. Put fresh desires in our hearts. Holy Spirit, blow on the flickering flames that are in our hearts and cause them to to burn more brightly. Lord let our our passion for you and for your purpose overcome the desires of the flesh the attractiveness of this world our own concern for our, our comfort and draw us more and more after you Lord Lord let us truly be Lord, are people who fill up the ranks of your army from the front. <laughs> who are ready, who are willing, who are expectant, who are reframing their lives and their thought life yes. in ways that seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just pray. I wonder if we can stand. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit just to come afresh. I'm just going to pray that he comes as the fire of God. Amen. If, if that's what you want to receive from him, just lift your hands to him now. Holy Spirit, come afresh, we pray. Like the fire of Pentecost. Pentecost upon our lives Lord God Lord in a a way that's all consuming in a way that's compelling and drives us out of the house Holy Spirit fall afresh (coughs) come with the purifying fire of God come with the holy fire of God come with a fire that reveals Jesus Christ come with the power of heaven thank you Holy Spirit thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord. fall afresh fall afresh cause our lives to be ablaze for you to truly live for your glory As living sacrifices. Lord, every sacrifice that was brought to you, it seems, through the scripture was consumed by fire. Lord, we say, let these living sacrifices be consumed by fire. Holy Spirit, your baptism is the baptism of fire. Consume us, burn in us. Let us be those flames on the lampstand that light up the world. We offer ourselves afresh to you today, Lord. For your glory and for your praise and for the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.